Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Thursday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. And we are going to do some Browns questions here today on the podcast. So we each came up with a question. We're going to uh, work through them, answer them. Kind of a shorter pod today, but don't worry. Plenty of good stuff in it coming your way. Mary Kay, why don't you lead us off here? What, what, what question do you have? You know, this is a recurring question. It comes up all the time. Uh, but now that we're you know, out of another season and heading back into another season 2023 and things are going to be all shaken up a little bit. Uh, Everybody wants to know this again or everybody wants to kick it around again. And that is, should Kevin Stefanski call these plays for Deshaun Watson? Or should he give up the play calling and uh, take a bigger picture and be more of a CEO coach for this football team and let somebody else call the plays? So that is basically the question. It's a never-ending question. And I'll tell you what, it's a hot topic because people get really, really mad about this, uh, you know, when we text about it, when we write about it, when we talk about it. So, um, you know, I'm curious to see what you guys think, and then I'll share some of my thoughts. Okay, so Kevin, for his own sake, should probably call the plays. Because first of all, he's kind of been waiting to have a quarterback to call plays for, right? Mary Kay, you've, you've made that point a number of times on the podcast. But just from a strictly self-preservation standpoint, he should at least start the season by calling the plays. Because then, you know, if things start to go poorly, he can say, you know what? I've got a change in hand. I'm going to hand the play calling duties off to this person. It's at least maybe, maybe he can buy himself a little extra time there. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't have a problem with Kevin Stefanski calling the plays this year, um, in part because I don't know who, like, what what's your plan B? I think that's that's part of this too, and we can we can discuss that if we want. But like, okay, if it's not Kevin, who is it? And are you sure that person is going to be better? So to me, it just makes sense that Kevin continues to do that, at least to start the year. What do you think, Ashley? Yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of on this, this idea of you went out and did everything you did to get Deshaun Watson, and you kind of now have to let him call plays for this quarterback that is the future of your franchise. And I think also I just kind of always come back to like you basically hired Kevin Stefanski to do this. So 
that's my thing. And then you add on the fact that he hired Jim Schwartz to kind of, you know, we know how Jim Schwartz is and he's essentially going to be, I think the boss of that defense when it comes to game days and all that stuff. So I don't know, you know, I think we look at the problems of this team over the last two years and that's kind of come up repeatedly, right? That like Kevin Stefanski maybe should take more of a CEO approach and kind of be more involved in everything, especially as the defense and the special teams were struggling. But now it's like, since you brought in Jim Schwartz, he in theory should fix a lot of those problems that were running rampant on the defense. So at that point, I think you let Kevin Stefanski who's putting in all this work with Deshaun Watson this off season, which they talked about to end the season. Um, I think you got to let them see what that duo can do together this off season into next year. So Mary Kay, what, what do you think? What's the answer to your own question here? Well, you know, first of all, I think that in the event that Kevin Stefanski wanted to hand the play calling over to someone I think he could do that. I think he could find somebody uh, somewhere in this league that could call plays effectively for a quarterback like Deshaun Watson. So I don't think that person would necessarily have to be on the staff right now. Um, Nobody really knows. I mean, maybe Alex Van Pelt would be a great play caller, but, you know, I mean, maybe Kevin would look outside if he thought there were somebody better than him to do it. So I do think there are many ways that you could go about this. But I do think that, um, you know, we heard Andrew Barry, uh, the GM in the, uh, you know, in the getaway day press conference or the season ending press conference, talk about the pairing of, uh, of Kevin Stefanski and Deshaun Watson. The organization really likes it. They see something in Kevin that makes them believe that he is a really good play caller and that he's going to be good for Deshaun. We know that Deshaun likes Kevin in terms of his offensive mind and his offensive strategy and the time that they spent together in Houston when the Browns went down there to try to court him. So I do think it's time to put these two guys together, put their heads together in the offseason and, um, you know, and see what they can come up with. And then you got to go put it out on the field and see how it goes. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time. I think that Deshaun runs the kind of offense that is going to require, um, you know, just everybody kind of getting a feel for him and him getting a feel for them. I don't think it's something that you're going to be able to figure out in OTAs or even necessarily a preseason game. So, you know, it's probably going to be a work in progress, but I think Kevin should do it because you can't very well let Alex Van Pelt do it for four games and then say, oh, no, that that's not going well. I'm going to do it. Uh, so I think he's got to start out with it, see where it goes, see if he is the right person to call plays for Deshaun, see if he has a feel for it. I think it's something that's going to take a little bit of feel and instincts, and it's going to have to try to come naturally after a certain period of time. And I think he'll know. So I think he's got to give it a shot. I mean, what if he turns out to be Andrew Reid and Patrick Mahomes? Nobody knows. Uh, so, I, you know, I would let him do it until he shows us that he can't. Yeah. And I'm curious to see what this offense looks like next year. Um, I, I put up a post uh, yesterday, I think it was of like three stats with Deshaun Watson, with the Browns and compared them to some things in Houston. And one of the things I thought was interesting was his, and this is stuff from PFF, his average depth of target was, I believe the lowest of his career. If it wasn't the lowest of his career, it was like, the second lowest since like his rookie year or the lowest since his rookie year. Um, he was not 
getting the ball downfield for whatever reason, as much as he normally does. Um, I mean, there were years when it was really close to double digits um, for his average depth of target. And that's, you know, when I looked at some of those stats, it was, you'd see like Patrick Mahomes, like right near him, you know, Mahomes average depth of target maybe isn't as high as you think it is, but that's not really the type of quarterback Deshaun Watson is. He, in Houston, he threw downfield a lot. And that's kind of what he looks for. You know, he was always looking for DeAndre Hopkins. He was always looking for, um, you know, whoever else else he had there. He is, he attacks. And so I think that's one of the things that, that they probably need to really work to incorporate. What are the, so we all think he should keep it. Mary Kay, what are the pros though to him giving it up? The pros to him giving it up, I think, would be that he would be more of an overseer. He would have an opportunity to step in with the defense and say, hey, you know, we need to run more man or, you know, in this situation, we need to do this. Uh, It would give him an opportunity to get the bigger picture of the whole entire offense as well. Maybe, you know, assist more in some game management and some of those tricky decisions on whether you're going to go for it on fourth down. I think you could collaborate on some of those things. And I think you can be in the headset. Uh, I think you could also work very closely with Deshaun still, um, but not have that, you know, in-game intense having to call every single play. It's very labor intensive. It's stressful. You've got to be on top of it and everything else. And, you know, it takes a real talent to be able to do it and to manage the whole entire football team as well. So the pros would be just kind of getting the big picture and getting a really good handle on everything involving the team. Ashley, do you, I mean, are those the pros? Is there anything else there? Like anything else that that would add to have AVP or somebody from the outside or Chad O'Shea or or somebody calling them? Maybe, maybe it's a way to keep Chad O'Shea in the building. Maybe you you promote him. That is an interesting, (laughs) that is an interesting angle to take because obviously Chad O'Shea has been getting a lot of these interviews um, with other clubs, but you know, I do think Mary Kay kind of hit the main point, right? Like when people have talked about it, it's been either, well, the other part would be like maybe somebody who has a different eye, maybe brings something, a slightly different kind of look, right? Because that seems to always be a criticism that rises up. Like, is Kevin Stefanski creative or adaptable enough to be a play caller long-term here? And I think like we, we tend to think he's adaptable and that maybe the situations just haven't been primed for him to show that. And now this is like the chance. So I think it's really those things. And and yeah, let's throw in the shadow Ch- Chad O'Shea reason as the wild card here. <laughs> just for fun. I mean, they already yeah. have an offensive coordinator, so I don't yeah, know why how not? that would, it'd be weird if like your wide receivers <laughs> coach was just the guy calling the plays, but eh, whatever. they think differently in Berea, right? That's what they pride yeah. themselves on. One last thing on this, Mary Kay, and I, this is something we've talked about, but it, it's also something that's stuck in my head is like, if things do go south, are we going to look back on these quotes and be like, oh, maybe there was more to it? I just still find it odd the way that Deshaun Watson worded some of the way he talked about how he wants to sit down with Kevin Stefanski and discuss the play calling. I, d- I just found it strange that he used the phrase, we're going to sit down man to man, like two two days in a row. And maybe that's nothing. And I'll admit that here on January 26th, if I were to make a really big deal out of that, it would be making too much of it. But I I still, for whatever reason, that's kind of stuck with me. It's just a weird way to say that. And 
you know, maybe that's just reading too much into it. Well, you know, we were trying to press him at that time on, hey, what do you think needs to happen with the defense? I mean, with the offense next year, what needs to be different about it? How is How do you want it to look? And I think his answer, basically, what he was trying to say or convey was, well, this is really not the place for me to say, hey, I think we should do more 11 personnel. I think we should do more no huddle. You know, I think he was trying to say, Kevin and I need to talk about that first before we, you know, reveal to people or before I tell you guys what I would like to do in this offense. Kevin and I need to talk about it. I don't think he was saying, you know, I'm going to sit him down and I'm going to tell him what I need. I think he was trying to say, no, this is something that the two of us are going to work through together. And then once we figure it out, you'll either see it, it'll be obvious, or, you know, we'll provide more details, you know, in interviews about it. I've just watched too much TV. That's my problem. Too much TV, <laughs> people looking to, to fight. I don't know. I actually don't know what I'm watching where that would be the case, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> Ashley, what's your question? My question that I'm thinking about currently is we've talked a lot about this, you know, crop, this recent crop of rookies who are obviously no longer rookies anymore. So I'm thinking about which one of those guys from the 2022 draft class on this roster do we think has the potential to make the big second year jump that like we talked about a lot last year with Greg Newsom and JOK and, and this year how we didn't really see that from those guys. Do you guys see one of these rookies really jumping out in year two? It's a good question. I like it. I think there are a number who have the potential to step it up. I don't even know if we can include Martin Emerson because he already stepped it up, right? So I almost feel like we have to exclude him from the conversation because he had a pretty breakout rookie season. Now, maybe you guys disagree with me and think that he should be involved uh, in this conversation, but I, I, mean, I think he, I think it for no other reason he's probably the really obvious answer. Yeah. So yeah, let's take him out. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's take him out. He started a lot of games last year. He played mm-hmm. really well, and you know he's not somebody that you know we're looking at and wondering what the heck is going on or will go on with Martin Emerson, right? But there are a couple other guys that are in that category, and um, and I think you can you know make a case for almost any one of them. Some of those include. Uh, you know, Alex Wright, uh, you're talking about Perrion Winfrey, David Bell, Cade York, right? I mean, these are some, you know, some guys that we really have to wonder about. So if I had to pick one of those guys to make the biggest impact next season, it's a really good question. It's a really good question. And I think a tough one to answer because we don't know what the defense is going to look like yet. We don't know what Jim Schwartz thinks of these guys yet. Um, but I don't know. I think I'm actually going to say Perry on Winfrey because I think that Jim Schwartz might see some raw talent there that he can do something with on that defensive line. And he likes defensive tackles. And I think that Perry want Perry on Perry. If you can rein him in, and, and get him going in the right direction, you know, you kind of might be onto something there. And really, I mean, how excited would the Cleveland Browns be if Jim Schwartz can, you know, kind of grab Perry on Winfrey, turn him around and get him going in the right direction. And that direction would also include getting right to the quarterback. So I'm going to say Perry, Perry Wine. <laughs> 
I like it. That's a good one. Ashley, who do you think? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I asked this question without having a surefire answer because like Mary Kay said, I mean, you can make a case for multiple of these guys. And I do like the Perrion Winfrey. He was one of the guys I was considering. Um, but, you know, I'm going to make here, I'm going to take the chance to make the case for Cade York. Um, I know when I talked to him, you know, towards the end of the season, not after the season was over, but towards the end of the season when he talked to me one-on-one, he seemed like we talked about on this podcast, like kind of at his wits end with trying to figure out what was going wrong with some of these misses and, you know, it wasn't his technique and what was happening. But then when he talked to us on getaway day, um, I left that scrum feeling like he was more self-assured. He said he learned a lot from the season that he doesn't need to be so focused on his technique that it's actually becoming a hindrance mentally for him later in the season. He said there's a time for that. He was doing it way too much later on in the season. Um, and I do think given his makeup, what we know about him, what we know what he did at LSU after having kind of a rough start to his career there, um, I, I like that he kind of flipped that mentality a little bit when he talked to us. And he didn't seem at his wit's end anymore. So um, I'll, I'll take a chance and say maybe he comes back next year and there are fewer of those issues for him to work out. And it kind of like, Cade York has to be in this discussion, right? Like he's yeah. got to be, he's got to be better. He just yes. has to be, um, you know, that leash gets a little bit tighter in year two, especially, especially as seats maybe get a little bit hotter if, if things don't go as well. So I've got a wild card here. There, there's actually a, a couple names left that we could throw out there. Um, but as I was scrolling through the draft class list, uh, I thought of Cade York. I thought of Perry, I thought of our buddy Perry wine, uh, Perry on Winfrey. <laughs> How about Jerome Ford? A guy we didn't see I a like lot that, of. Dan. Yeah, mm-hmm. see, a guy we didn't see a lot of this year, but he kind of supercharged the kick return game. Like, he's like a legit kick returner, even if they just want to put him in that role. But it's probably not likely that Kareem Hunt is back. And so that opens up a spot for Jerome Ford, who kind of does some similar things in the passing game. Now, he's not Kareem Hunt, who. You know, Kareem Hunt has led the league in rushing before, but he is, he's got some of the same skill set as Kareem Hunt, as far as how versatile he can be and how multiple he can be. And again, just that kick return game. I I mean, Mary Kay, I could make the case that Jerome Ford might've helped save Mike Prefer's job because that kick return game was, it was dead. And then they just kind of stumbled into him and I don't think he'd ever done it before, if, if I remember right. So there's something there with Jerome Ford, I think. Yeah, he did a nice job, and you're right. Uh, If Mike Prefer is still standing uh, when the season begins, Jerome Ford will be uh, one reason why. So, uh, yeah, I think there there is something here, definitely. And not only is Kareem Hunt going to be gone, um, but uh, Dearness Johnson, we, you know, we don't know if Dearness Johnson's coming back. Now, we didn't know if he was coming back this past year either. And then, lo and behold, uh, there he was. So you can never say never on him because, you know, at the right price, I'm sure they would welcome him back. Um, but I do think that uh, Jerome Ford has the opportunity to sort of step in and play some of the Kareem Hunt role. And if he can really establish that he can catch the ball out of the backfield, uh, as well as make some hay in the running game. That's going to come in handy in this RPO offense and the play action game and all the different things that the running backs are going to have to do, of course, blocking and all of that. Um, But yeah, this could be a year where, where he 
sort of steps in and takes over for Kareem. And that's a, a pretty nice role to play on this football team. Okay, so we have we have Perion, we have Cade, we have Jerome Ford. Um, there's at least one other name. I have the, the list of rookies that we've missed. But is there anybody kind of sticking out? I'm curious if we come across the same person here. Anybody else stick in Were your you mind thinking... here? Mary Kay, you're nodding. Yeah, I'm thinking David, David Bell. David. <laughs> that, was, that was actually not who I was thinking, oh, but yes, you're thinking that's a Isaiah good one. Thomas? Isaiah Thomas? No. no. Mm, Alex Wright? I mean, we talked about Alex, kind of. Was that who you were thinking of, though? No, but Mary Kay, I'm surprised oh. you haven't said this one. Hmm. Maybe I just forgot one. I know. I'm out of guys right now. I don't have the list up in front of me. Michael Woods? Oh, oh duh. What's wrong with guy. us? <laughs> my guy, Michael Woods. What I like that guy? too, Dan. That's a good. We one. basically we basically just ran through the whole rookie class outside yeah, of Dawson, did. outside of Dawson Deaton, and, and <laughs> made really quick cases that they could be the guy to answer this question. But yeah, yeah. I mean, David Bell or Michael Woods, like one of those two, I, I think could probably be. It, it just sort of depends on the role, right? Yes, yeah. it definitely depends on the role. It de- it depends on. Who makes that big leap? Who steps up in the offseason program and even in training camp? Because this is such a pivotal year for Deshaun. He needs reliable targets. Guys are going to have to get out there and fit with him. Uh, They're going to have to be able to do the things uh, that match up with his skill set. They're going to have to be able to stay alive on the scramble drill. And we saw Mike Woods get chewed out about that last year. But I bet you he won't get chewed out that way again for something similar uh, like that last year. He's going to learn what he has to do. Uh, and uh, and I think he will. I think he'll pick it up. Uh, so yeah, he's definitely somebody that uh, that could fall into this category. And the same thing, you know, with David Bell. I mean, you know, David Bell's got a lot of talent. And, uh, you know, and once they sort of overhaul this offense a little bit, you know, I think he's somebody that could get a lot more targets than he got last year. All right, let's take a break. And we've got one more question uh, on the other side. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast on a Thursday. Uh, Our final question is not an original question from me. It actually came from our videographer, Dave Anderson, uh, who's sitting in the background on this, making a video for this podcast. What is the next Browns offseason headline? I have to warn you, not only did I not come up with the question, but I have not come up with an answer either. So... (laughs) I am just asking the question at this point. What is the next off-season headline for the Browns? Or let's say big-ish. Next big-ish off-season headline. So not like, oh, they signed this guy to a futures contract. I'm ruling that out. Mm. So no Herb Miller guesses. <laughs> no Herb, no Herb Miller guesses. Oh, rats. Okay. Well, you know, I mean, the the next sort of big stuff that's going to happen because I don't think that we can consider any of the coaching staff changes coming up. I don't think those are going to be big things. I mean, even if Chad O'Shea takes an OC job somewhere, or if, you know, if one of the, you know, defensive coaches takes a job somewhere and you have to fill those roles, I think there will be three or four defensive, I mean, uh, coaching staff changes. So that's not going to be uh, sort of a biggish thing, um, you know. It could be a it could be a restructuring. Someone might get a restructured contract. Uh, 
there are a number of things that can happen. They have decisions to make on free agents, which I will be, uh, as we're taping this, I'm going to be writing uh, some of those guys to look at and some of the, the headlines could come from there. Um, but yeah, I think the, the next big thing will be the acquisition of a defensive tackle or a receiver or a defensive end. But that's going to be, I think, the next big headline is to fill the hole with one of those guys. And that's not going to really necessarily happen until, um, you know, until the, until the league year really gets rolling in earnest. Uh, but you can make trades before then, and they just aren't, you know, valid until the league year begins. Uh, so I would say that it, it it would be the acquisition of a key player, a starter at one of those three positions that I just mentioned. Yeah. And it could, I mean, look, it could just be really quiet aside from, you know, some of those coaching changes, coaching hires. Um, it could just be quiet between now and the combine, especially because they don't have a first round pick. So like even kind of the process leading up to the combine is, is kind of boring. Um, Ashley, I think Mary Kay's onto something with a restructure though. Yeah. I think I didn't even think about that, but like, you start to look at some of these contracts and what they might need to do to free up money that we might see a few of those this year. Yeah. I mean, especially because these guys haven't, you know, had been spending a lot of money at defensive tackle. And I think like now it's really apparent, like, Hey, you have to do something there in terms of either getting a guy in the second round or, paying more money than you have been paying the last few years to get a prime free agent here. Um, so I do think that's interesting. I know in the past, like we've mentioned, maybe like JJ three is a guy that they could look to restructure given his contract. I'm not sure of others off the top of my head, but I think a lot is going to kind of hinder on this defense and figuring out with Jim Schwartz, like, Hey, what pieces do we need to fill? What is this going to look like? And go from there. But yeah, I do think like defensive tackle receiver, like those are the things we keep really harping on because I think they're the really obvious holes on this team that they're going to have to try to fill. And maybe we'll see them try to fill it before we actually get to the draft. Like we saw last year with them, you know, going after Amari Cooper, for example. So this regime has like kind of shown that they're willing to be proactive with this stuff in that way. Okay. So I think you said the key name, Ashley, maybe that's the next big headline. The Browns restructure Amari Cooper's contract. Mm-hmm. Right now, he, I mean, he has no guaranteed money on his contract the next few years, but he's got a cap hit this year of $23 million and a cap hit next year of $23 million. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got to think that's one they would target. Uh, just kind of looking through here, you know, Miles Garrett has a big contract, of course. You just got to look at the big contracts. Deshaun Watson has a big contract. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not unheard of. Patrick Mahomes restructured his deal, I think, less than a year after he signed it. Um, I know Josh Allen spoke really openly about um, kind of structuring his deal when he signed his contract. You know, hey, we can move money around. We can restructure this so we can sign guys. So, um, you know, I I think any big name player, any big money player is probably, you know, even Joel or Wyatt or somebody like that could be up for a restructure uh, at, at any given time. But I'm going to, I'm going to say Amari Cooper. I think that now you've got me thinking Mary Kay. That's an interesting one, Dan. I mean, you know, I really like that one because if you can give him, uh, you know, stretch that out a little bit and give him more upfront money uh, and, you know, guaranteed money, that's a big number. 
So, uh, you know, that is definitely one that you would want to look at and see what you can do with that. Uh, you know, they restructured him this year, got that cap number way down. Uh, so, yeah, anybody in the double digit millions, especially, you know, you know, 15, 16, if you're in that range and up, uh, you're, you're going to have your contract looked at a little bit. All right, there we go. Uh, our Thursday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast, three Browns questions. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast wherever you listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and make sure you leave us a five-star review. Say something nice about us. We always love to see that. And also become a football insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to become a texter, uh, get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash Browns, and get that newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day. I think... The three of us are up next to write those newsletters. So get on board. You want that newsletter. You don't want to miss what we're going to write in the next few days. So cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info on that. Uh, for Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks.